obviously I want to be the best rider in the world, so I got to compete against the best rider in the world. To be the number one guy right now is something we have all had to earn, and, and you know, we don't get hired to go get fifth or sixth or fourth, let alone second. I mean, we, we're hired to win. It's crunch time for me, you know. I got the second place last year, you know, so there's only one spot left, and that's the championship. Oh, I don't think there's any words on how bad I want this title. It's a passion, you know, and I think there's something still deep inside of me that wants to push. When it comes out in the race, and you better believe I'll be ready to go. the depth of field. That's the way this season is breaking down. One of the deepest fields we've ever seen. You tell me this championship is going to be competitive. Will you risk everything? Will you leave it all on the track? The quest to be Monster Energy Supercross champion is about to begin. The gate drop to kick it all off happens right Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Moto Limited Podcast. Here is your host, Nick Still. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to the Moto Limited Podcast. We're finally giving this thing a name since last week. It's not much of a name, but it's it's still a name. But joining me tonight. This guy, he is friend of the show. You heard him on the show this week. He is the race mechanic for Justin Barsha at the Gas Gas Factory Racing Team. It's Ollie Stone. Ollie, what's happening, buddy? Not much. Thanks for having me on. Just it's actually a Saturday evening here. Just about to have a couple of brews, brewskis, and then get back and just relax. What what, to, what time is it? Uh, it's almost six California time. Yeah. Did you work today or? No, not today, actually. Like, some Saturdays when we get closer to the season, we'll start working and it will start ramping up. But right now, no, there's no need to work on the weekends. Is it weird for your, like, family to see you at home on a weekend? <laughs> Are they like, what are you doing What, what, what family? <laughs> all, most, all my family's in England still, but um, I live with my girlfriend here and we have a couple of dogs and that's about it. But they're probably, my dogs are probably like, oh, what the hell are you doing here? You know what I mean? Meant to be away. So well, we, it's just weird. When you think about it, like next year, you know, you're going four fifties. You're going to yes. be away a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Like eight more races. So that's eight more weekends. But it, I mean, a lot of the 450 guys get a day off during the week and things like that. So that's the only reason how I believe how you can do the 450 class without being burnt out is to have a little bit of time between races to yourself. Otherwise it's airport, shop, track, airport, shop, track. The only time you come home is just to sleep three days a week. Well, with the 250 class, is it like, were you guys building bikes the next day or were you flying home? Because I know Justin flies back to build the bike, yeah? Yeah, well, it all all depends. Some teams build on a Sunday after the race. Some teams build on a Thursday before the race. And it all depends – on the city that you go to, like we'll never build in like Detroit or something because the weather's going to be terrible. So we'll try and just fly in and the bikes are built and fly out. But when we're in California, we always build in the shop. 
when as soon as the semi leaves California, we'll just always build in the car park of the hotel. Now, this team, the guest guest team, I believe they just run with KTM. So they always build on Sundays after the race. So you race on Saturday, build on Sunday, fly home Sunday night slash Monday morning. But on my old team at Prosecute and Cowie, they built on Thursdays before. What do you so think that It doesn't make any difference to me whatsoever. Um, it's kind of good if you test all week and then you're building your bike on Thursday so you can fly in with the new parts to put on your bike on Thursday or sometimes some races that we've built before and after because you can't build the following week in some city or in the old days the semi you go to Canada, you couldn't build in Canada or Daytona would always build before and after and that makes it for a long trip too. But if it's been muddy, a mud race and everything's a mess, I feel it's better to build after because otherwise all that stuff's going to sit there for four or five days before you get back to be able to clean it and build it again. So it's, it's swings and roundabouts really. It's whatever suits the truck drivers. Cause sometimes the semi drivers have got to go from, I don't know, East to West and you haven't got time. They just hit the road and then you'll just meet them at the race the following weekend and build there. So it, it's a, it's, a lot of logistically communication going on in the race shop because we just went over where we're going to build, where we're going to fly, and it's just it's super cross. It's all so different. Yeah, because that semi doesn't come back. Hey, once it's finished no. on the west coast, it goes and doesn't come back. Yeah, it'll come back. It'll go. I don't. Even, I should. I should actually pay more attention to the schedule that's coming up. But I know. <laughs> I know the first race in Anaheim, right? Don't need to check that one. But. uh I think it's six here in California and then it will leave. That's the norm. So it won't come back until probably the, the, after Utah, after the last round and then we'll restock and we'll race in motocross in parlor or whatever. And then it will go again and come back it's, four months later. It's funny. I think it was 2016 or 2017 was my first ever year over there and yeah. to Anaheim won. And you know, dude, I was the big super fan. Like I'm pretty sure I got photos with you and it's funny, like after the race, you know, I'm, I'm like back in my hotel room doing stuff. And I think it was either Shanty's story or your story. And you have the bikes back at PC that in the workshop pulled down completely. I was like, yeah. dude, that is so yeah. sick. Like sometimes like, I, like uh, back at PC for sure. I wouldn't work Sunday after Anaheim, but I would, I don't know if it was a bad day. If it was a good day. I'd probably get drunk. If it was a bad day, I would have been pissed and, Pretty much, you'd see me driving down the 15 freeway flat out with a PC race bike in the back of my truck, and I'd be like, I'm going to tear this thing down. And then just it just gets a jump start on Monday. Where, like, as mechanics, we're always thinking ahead how we can be more efficient or how we can get ahead of the game. And sometimes, like, from Anaheim to my house, I have to I had to drive past the shop, so I'm like, I might as well just go in there for an hour and just rip this thing apart, and then I'm an hour ahead on Monday. Yeah. So, it's been plenty of times I've, I've done that, you know. It- this is a question I have for you and it's probably a really hard question to, to answer, but you know, you devoted your life to what you were doing now. Like you've, you've moved across the country, across the world. Sorry. You've to chase a dream yeah. when you're at yeah. the race and you know, you've put in, you know, 50, 60 hours during the week and it goes to absolute fucking shit on the weekend. Do you sit there and just be like, dude, like, is this really worth it? Or is that just motivation uh, to you? It, that's a really good question, actually. It depends the situation you're in. Like, 
if it's really shit and you've lost a couple motors and it's raining or and you're just not into it it's just like what am i doing you know because you could probably make way more money doing less hours doing something else yeah but that isn't the reason why we're doing this like anyone that knows me or worked with me they know that i'm pretty passionate about what i do and one thing i've learned over the years is you can't sweat the small stuff and there was a guy a pc would always say that some stuff is just out of your control and you just gotta roll with it you know and like you do have bad days but what makes it better is you can bounce back from those bad days yeah you know like i mean i've had bad days a lot of bad days the last couple years you know and like lost a couple championships too because of bad days and you you were like the feeling sucks there's no other feeling like it you know like being so close and, and just not getting there it's it's a whole lifetime of sacrifice and I'm still here. So <laughs> it's not all bad. Well, that's exactly true, you know, and like, you know, let's go back and let's look at Austin Faulkner for say, there has been a lot of times when, you know, he's had to finish, you know, to, to win a championship. Go back to Adam Cincerullo, go back to Joey Savacci. Like, dude, the Joey Savacci one, I remember, like, I'm a, I'm a Savacci super fan, dude. I remember sitting in my house and fucking crying because I was that, that disappointed and how do how do you go back to the truck how do you go that, to work on monday is it's it just it's oh, is Max just is super good at fucking lifting everybody up or uh, i feel that 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 one was bad the joey one was bad because i was right there i was in the mechanics area you know when that went down and I remember that AC one too, because Austin wasn't racing because he was already hurt. So like it already lost my chance and then there to help Brandon and like that went down and like one, I didn't want to go back to the truck and two, I don't think anyone said a word to anyone until Tuesday, until Tuesday. We packed a semi away, the fastest that we've ever packed it away and no one said a word. Like everyone knows, no one said it work. We just were like, did you go back to Cali that night or did you stay in Vegas or? Uh, we stayed in Vegas. I've done the race Vegas drive home and it's miserable. <laughs> That's I did rough, it, dude. I did it once and I was like, I'm better off just staying in Vegas, waking up at six o'clock and coming and driving home the next morning. Cause by the time you drive home, it's just a struggle street. And then you sleep in and you wake up the time that you would get home anyway if you woke up early. Yeah. And you don't feel bad is written off. So I remember that. I remember it was bad and we weren't going to no monster parties, that's for sure, because we didn't win nothing. So I remember just going with Zim to the bar and just having a few beers and actually being like, yeah, let's just go up there. See you at the shop on Monday. And even on Monday, it was just like... <laughs> It was, it sucked. No one really spoke about it. And then by the time Tuesday comes around, it's ready to get ready for motocross. It's just like, all right, let's go to Polar or let's go to Glen Helen. Like we got pissed. That's probably the best bounce back you could think of. But it's funny, like coming into, I don't know, maybe the middle of motocross towards the end of motocross. I have a, I, you know, I have a lot of friends over there now, gear guys, everything like that. Yeah. And yeah. he, dude, he rung me after a race on, on the, it's usually a Sunday morning here, Sunday lunchtime. And he rung me yeah. like, dude, I just walked into the bar at like the hotel where we're staying and Ollie looks like he's ready to just give up. I was, <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He's like, dude, I think he's sitting with one other person and that dude just looks miserable. And I was just like, 
like, that made me start thinking about it. It's just like, yeah. How yeah. Do, how do you do fun. it? Uh, this, honestly, like, it's no secret that this was the hardest season of my career, like, results-wise, just self-motivation-wise, and just I was a little lost. We lost a lot of good people that I worked with, and, and it's like it wasn't the same. It used to be so much fun. We used to just go to the races, win or lose. It was the same. The drive to the airport was fun, and it just got – it was different for me. It was just, it, yeah, I needed a change. Needed a change to find motivation again and just find the love of the job that I lost. You know, like we work so much and you sacrifice so much. Like most weekends of the year and up early, go on the tracks, work on the bikes, come home late. And I'm, don't compl- I'm not complaining about that one bit. I just lost the enjoyment out of it. But, and it was yeah. fine for me to do something else, you know? That's rough. And it's, it's well, you know, I remember talking to you, I think it was the day you signed the, you know, the, the, the gas gas factory. Yeah. Factory. That was so, that was yeah. weird, but you yeah. know, like sitting there and I like, I heard it in your voice. It's, I don't know. You seemed doubtful of it. Is that the word? Is that the word? You, did you feel like you were doing the wrong thing leaving pro circuit? Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do, like my whole life and ask my parents and my close friends back home, whatever, Personally, it was the goal. And I was fortunate enough to get that. And I stayed there a long time, like nine, nine seasons of Prostrate. And even now Mitch calls me and he's like, Hey, you want to come back? <laughs> well, that's, that's another yeah. question I had was yeah. how so did you like, go in there and tell him that you were leaving. Yeah, that was a bad one too. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I put up the courage for that was like, uh, yeah, it was just like, I can't do this anymore. Can't, I can't, I need to do something else for a little bit. And he was like, nope, we're not leaving. And I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm going to, and he's like, nope, you're, he, he's so respectful. Like I have so much respect for the guy. And like, it, it almost upsets me that I did leave. And because I always wanted to work there and like it's pro circuit and you know, you're a massive fan. You're a super fan of Kawasaki pro circuit and it's just, it's pro circuit and it's Mitch Payton, one of the most influential guys in the industry period. Dude, I, I remember like I, I'd work for monster energy Kawasaki here in Australia. And you know, every time I've gone over there into the workshop, I remember the first time meeting Mitch, dude, I'm shitting myself. Like, I'm just like, I'm like a kid in a fucking candy store. Yeah. Because I'm like, I know what to do. Like, the dude has like an aura around him yeah. being how respectful he is. And it's just like, I don't know, I'd like my biggest dream, like, dude, I wouldn't care if I'm stocking shelves at Pro Circuit. I wouldn't care if I'm yeah. sweeping the floor at Pro Circuit. Exactly. You to go there and, you know, and, and, and live that dream and then be able to go, okay, you know, I, I see the next thing I got to do and go and do it, dude, walking into Mitch's yeah. office, I would have been shitting myself. Yeah, I was, but he's so good in situations like that, you know, because it's not as if I'm not saying like, I'm not some punk or whatever. And there for a free ride or something like that. I, I put in my time. Like I worked my ass off for a, a long time and, and I loved every minute of it. And then I just, but it's just like nothing lasts forever. If you know what I mean? And 
like he's he said hey you ever want to come back the door's open and and one day i might hold him to that you know like who knows what's going to happen in the future but for me to do 450s with justin and on this factory team that's growing it's kind of exciting oh yeah oh yeah that like that that team man it's I don't know what it is. It's got something about it. Like I've, I've spoken uh, to Michael Moseman about it and he's like, Oh yeah. We got something cooking. We got something cooking. Like, and I agree with him like that because like I knew like Tyler Keith's still there, but we got a new crew chief who was crew chief at Geico team manager. And he was crew chief over there at Honda with the Lawrence's and, and then Derek Dwyer's on in the team too. And he was, he, he's like, just like me, just like this to get shit done. We'll whenever, just get shit done. Whenever you go see, whenever you go to the track and see Michael, go up yeah. to him and ask him to do his Australian accent for you. Oh, I do it on Monday. Yeah, Dude, Monday. If you can do it and video it and send it okay. to me, like he, yeah. he start. We were in a, a press conference together, and I was talking to I think it was Jason Wygant, and Michael yeah. started talking in this Australian accent. I'm like the fuck is going on? Like he was doing it perfect, dude. Like perfect. That's fine. Yeah. I'll ask him. I'll ask him. I'll film it for you on Monday. That's quite funny. He'll be like, what the hell? And I'm like, uh, you'll figure it out. You know, but like oh, over there, it, like I'm still new. I think I'm in there four or five weeks or something. And just like figuring out biggest thing is figuring out the bike. I'm like, it's completely different to something that I've worked on for the last 10 years. So, getting used to that and then the train like Will's the trainer and like it's just everything structured and programmed and just like everyone's in it so getting good vibes like I'm I had a good week we had a good week this week and it kind of it was good like when you change like I hate change change is the worst thing for me personally I but it's just everything's different but it's good it's a good different and I'm getting the teeth into it so it's kind of exciting what about you, you know is it is it weird going from you know cowie how for the last nine years you knew the same way they did everything everything the structure was there walking into a new structure is that like you know because they're sort of a new team are they like hey like i we want to listen to what you you think way should be or is it is it walking into a completely different structure uh yes and no really like it's gas gas, but it's like piggybacked off of the KTM team. So like it's a lot of structure is through KTM because obviously they've won bunch championships in the four fifty class too in the last few years. So it's all for them too, but it's also another perspective from TK was to get all these other experienced guys in to have another view on it and, and voice your opinions because every day he's like, Hey, what do you think? You know, he's not like, this is how it's going to be. It's like, he's got a new crew chief and Josh is going to be in there doing data and stuff. So, and he's like, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And it's encouraging. So everyone's not quiet. Everyone's speaking up and voicing their opinions, but everyone that's voicing their opinions has a bunch of experience. So it should mean something, you know, and and I respect that big time. It's funny, like, I don't know if you'll agree with this, but this is just like my opinion of it. You know, talking about Justin Barsha, I mm-hmm. feel his whole, everything he's about, you know, his whole persona has changed in the last 12 months or, or 12 months. It, you know, he, he come across as that dude that was, you know, bam, bam. And, you know, it was his way of the highway, that type of sort of thing. And now, I don't know, he just seems a lot more placid now. He just seems, I don't know, it's, ever since getting on that team, something with his persona has changed. 
Maybe. I can't speak from the past because I didn't really know recent. The only person I knew was his old mechanic at Honda with Schneige who worked at PC. So I worked with him for about five years and he he was like, yeah, Batman's always over underrated. Like, like they get, he's mis- misunderstood and stuff like that. But like, he's not afraid to give it 100% when he's on the bike, if you know what I mean? And then I know there's always shit talking. It's funny because I haven't told him this, but we were watching, I think Thursday night in the shop, we were watching something on YouTube and it was Justin Barsh's biggest blowouts or something like that. I've seen it. <laughs> he was like flipping off people running in on Tomac and being mouthy at Tomac and all that. And we were like, sweet. This is what we got coming. But he, he's so far it's like, he's been awesome. Like really respectful. And I'm nervous as hell. Cause I'm like, it's just a bush. You know, like I don't want to make any mistakes or do anything wrong. So like, I'm kind of like quiet and just nervous and just trying to do my job and not upset anything. Yeah. Yeah. That, see, that's exactly right. And you know, you've got to learn, you know, as he's mechanic, you've got to learn everything about it. You've got to learn every single thing on his motorcycle that he likes. How yeah. that got like, it sounds really, really simple, but is, is it as simple as, you know, you guys sat down and did levers, did bars, all that sort of thing, and, you know, got a rough sort of idea? Uh, that kind of like, when I got there, there was a couple of bikes already built. They were built for the motocross nations, and obviously America didn't go. Yeah. So yeah, I turned those into, like, practice bikes and test bikes. So they were already built. So they were ready for him. So I kind of got measurements and stuff like that. Like, like that's the easy stuff, like handlebars and levers and, grips and all that kind of stuff it's like him being on the team for a year and then the old crew chief leaving and it's like there's questions that i got that no one has the answers for or it's just like how did you get to using this part on this bike and they're like well we did this and this but then we don't know because that guy left so we're like okay so the next couple of weeks for us is going to go over maybe a lot of stuff that they tested last year but for us, all the new employees to have an understanding, and you, and like that was one of the PC ways too. You would retest everything every winter before every motocross championship, before every supercross championship. You might test something that you tested five years ago and you not used it, but that was Bones's way too. What? So you, why, why not? We got the we got the parts, we got the time, we got the infrastructure. So like, you might miss something, or the bikes developed or change in such a way that something that worked five years ago might be awesome now. Yeah. Or even something like I told TK the other night, there was a couple of things. I can't remember specifically what it was, but I was like, Hey, we need to try that because if we have to do it at a race for some condition, we don't want to be putting it on wondering what will happen. I want to try it now because I can put it on knowing, Hey, Justin, in December we did this and this was the outcome. So this will work bitching right now. Yeah. So there's no doubt, no negative. It's just like, yeah, we did this before. It's perfect. But for me and, and the other people on the team, we don't know what, how they got to where they are with the motorcycle because we weren't around last year. And it's not as if he's new to the team right now. He's been here a year. So he needs to, we need to learn a little bit, but he, he might discover something else that they didn't try or they tried a different way before. So it might make him even more comfortable. Apparently he is like, an incredible test rider. Like he will stay at the track for like 12, 14 hours a day to do it. Is that right? Yeah. We haven't got that deep yet because he's only been riding a couple of weeks, but the next couple of weeks we'll be throwing a few things at him to see 
So I don't think he complains. He knows what it takes and what you got to do. You know, like if you find something pitching at four in the afternoon when the sun's going down, then that's the way it is. Yeah. And, you know, it, you know, I, I'd love to talk to Justin about things as well. You know, dude, he, like, as rough as it sounds, at one point it looked like he was at the end of his career. He was, you know, I, looking it, for bikes, looking it, looking for anything. And he started out over again, and now he's at, you know, this new team with this new persona. And, dude, I reckon things are looking up for Justin, but I think he's still got a lot of good in him. I hope so, because, yeah, that's one of the reasons why <laughs> I don't want to come to the team and then be like, oh, I'm just going to be a 10th place guy. And I'm like, not on my watch. Nobody, you know? no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm coming over here to win, and that's the only reason why I'm coming over. So, uh, yeah, I know he did that privateer deal a few years ago, and, like, Mitch helped him out with some parts and some pipes, and I know we ran this bike on the dyno at PC, and then he got that Yamaha deal, and then he ended up, on the gas gas. So uh, I think everyone in Austria are pumped with him too. And then like Roger D and stuff over here really like him. So he's doing everything right. Have you met Roger or any yeah, in Harrison, those guys yet? It's, it's just one big workshop really where we work and Roger and Ian are cruising by all the time. And, and everyone really is like the engine guys and Leighton, the R and T guy for engines and just everyone's just, cruises through and just it's just like one big family it's kind of pretty cool yeah dude that's that's sick and like that's the is that the workshop where they have the track like on the lot across the road or down the road yeah, like just behind the shop there's two super tracks right there and they're actually building a new shop right next to the test tracks so like it'll be even closer when that thing's done by the end of the year that's incredible like so going back to how did you end up at gas gas is it is it a, a job that come open which you applied for was it someone reached out to you yeah it was kind of like someone reached out to me like it was just weird how it works you know like i was on the fence about what i wanted to do in the coming year like i was getting burnt out like when your friend said i just looked unhappy i was exhausted more than anything and it was random, just like one day TK called me and was like, hey, I need a good guy for Justin, what do you think? And I was like, oh, that was, okay, 450s is no joke, a good guy, he's won races. Um, he explained a lot of stuff, and it was pretty much everything that I wanted to hear he said without me even asking the questions, and I just left it at that and he was like, Hey, sleep on it, sleep on it. And then let me know what you think in the morning. And I was like, okay, no problem. And then I came home and I spoke to my girlfriend and I was like, Oh, he's going to watch this. And I work for Justin and all that. And she was like, okay. And I was like, Oh, I got to sleep on it and let him, let him know in the morning. And she's like, you're going to sleep on it. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, this is like everything that you wanted, you know? And it's just like, and I'm like, no, you're right. So I text TK at like 8.30 at night. I was like, hey, I can sleep on it. I mean, and he, <laughs> that's sick. he was pumped too. He was so pumped. And I was like, oh, that's kind of, that's like pretty cool that he's pumped that I'm coming aboard. And it was so random because then, then like the next day I flew out to Millville and then we built when we went to the race and stuff. And I went to watch the 450 Moto because they ran before the 250s yep. at that 
And Justin gets the whole shot and just checks out and wins. And I was like, holy fucking, my girlfriend texted me. And she was like, see, that's a sign. You just agreed to do the deal. And then he goes out and wins first moto. And then I think he finished second or third in the second yeah, moto. And got- sure did. So it was kind of like a, a kind of a sign, if you know what I mean? Not that I'm into all that kind of stuff, but it just worked out so fast. It was just like Tuesday, the phone call, and then agreed on Tuesday and then Saturday he won Millville. And I was like, well, he's no slouch, you know, he's still got it. So it was kind of cool. Was Austin pretty, when you told Austin, was he disappointed or? He, he was pretty bummed. Um, and I was bummed to be leaving too. It's just like, like I told him for years, he's been like my little brother, you know? And this was something that I needed to do for myself because I don't know how many more years I can run this pace of track every day, doing all this shit, flying all the races and doing all these races, you know? So like 450s have been on my bucket list for a little while. And to do that with Justin on this team is what came around. So he kind of understood that. So like, yeah, for me, I don't know how many, I, don't, I can't say never, whatever, but I'm getting near the end of being a mechanic, you know? So like to do these before I stop and look for an in-house job or something like that is I don't want to stop and be like, Oh, I wish I did four fifties. Cause I haven't done, I've, I mean, I did four fifties MXGP, but that's different. I've only ever been a lights guy in America. So I need to do the four fifties and then see where I end up after that. Well, well, long time, long-term goal with Austin would have been a four fifty ride. Uh, it would have been, five yeah. years ago. That's where yeah. I would have seen it. Yeah. And it was, and it was, but just injuries and things like that and setbacks. And it's no fault of Austin or cause see how hard he tries and he gets hurt, but he's got a long career ahead of him still. And, I do too, but was I again impatient to go four fifties? Not really. I was just ready for a change. This is the way I tell everyone, and that's the way the way it is. You know, how this is a really really hard question to ask with Austin Faulkner. You know, we we hear so many things about his program. What do you do to fix it? What what does Austin have to go and do? You know this guy better than anyone else. What is the factors? The biggest factors that I've seen being with him so many years was coming in, into an off-season healthy. The year he was killing it, was it 2019? Yeah. The year he killed it in 2019, he raced 2018, and he didn't finish the motocross season but because of a concussion. But he came in with no broken bones, no torn ligaments, no nothing like that. So he had like a full four-month off-season program. And then that year we went east, so it wasn't until like February. So it was like five months of just like on the program. And that's why we came out there swinging and won a bunch of races and then he hurt his knee. And then the following year he he was good. And then you see how much better he was when we went to Utah when he was handing it to Ferrandis. Because he did West, he wasn't quite ready, but we raced. He got by, won a couple of races and stuff. But then that, like, with COVID hit, he had that, like, two and a half months of just, like, on the program again and came out in Utah with just, like, ripping. So I see it because I've been a part of it. So, like, for him for him to come in off-season healthy with mo- momentum, then that's, that's what he needs. Austin always looks like he gets these 
rivalries on the track. You know, he's had things yeah. with the Lawrence boys. He's had things with, yeah. I think, everybody. Is yeah. that just his persona or is he just not like being pushed around? I don't think he – I know for sure he's not out there intentionally looking for rivalries. <laughs> I, I think it is because he's always the fastest guy or one of the fastest guys. And when you're the fastest guy, everyone's gunning for you. Yeah. And honestly, everyone does some dumb shit. I know there's, he's done some dumb shit. And, and some of that stuff, he's – open enough and be like, Hey, you didn't, you shouldn't have done that. And he's like, I know, you know, but it's racing and everyone does dumb shit. Unfortunately, if you're the, one of the fastest guys, there's always a camera on you and you can't hide anything that you do. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was Utah aren't under or whatever. And it was like, remember the AMA coming over like, oh, shit. and then Mitch was like, yeah, it was your fault. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't and like, so you got to own it. And it's just like, we don't pussyfoot around. You hold him accountable, you know, and he was like, yeah. But, like, heat of the moment shit, too. Like, there's a lot of pressure on these kids, and I'm not sticking up for them one way or the other, but it'll it'll go full circle. Like, I remember when Austin came in and he was, everyone loved him, and, and he was the guy and stuff, and then, then the next kid's going to come in and he's going to be the guy and then everyone will turn on him because someone else will come in and he's the guy, you know, it just had these patterns and I've been here long enough to see that. But, you know, like I like it better not being the guy and being under the radar and just working on your program, keeping your head down at the test tracks and just doing what you got to do. And then just coming out there and, swing you know yeah well that's exactly yeah. right you know the these guys these guys have rivalries on the track what about mechanics is there a mechanic rivalries is there a punch up uh, is there a punch up in the pit board area and <laughs> not not as such no i mean everyone's pretty respectful there might be some fighting with me and shanty this year in the 450 <laughs> you'll yeah. <laughs> have to have a camera on us maybe more shit talking than fighting but it'll be fun um, what was it like, you know, is that a part of, you know, pro circuit not feeling the same way? You know, it's, it's no secret you and Justin Shanty are, are like biggest thieves, you know, it's like best friends. Is it, was it we, different when he left? Uh, not really. Cause we still had a lot of good guys. I'm not saying it was just more of the brotherhood. I would say everyone was on the same page or the same similar age or, similar focuses. I don't know. I, I'm not putting anyone down that's already at, on the team. Like everyone works their ass off and everyone's great. But I just remember back to like, like the good years or like I learned how to do that job from some of the greats. Also like Paul Parabinos won a championship. Wayne Lumge, like Tyler Atre's stepdad, you know what I mean? Like world champ. And then like Dave Feeney, Supercross champion, like all these guys have such badass credentials that when I was like honored to work alongside them guys. Yeah. So absolutely. For me, every pro circuits legacy on, if you know what I mean, throughout the mechanics. So it's, it's like, and all of those guys are still my good friend today. And, and like, obviously Wayne works in the engine department at, at KTM and then Dave Feeney's at, at Husqvarna and stuff. So some of them guys are still in the industry too. So, it's it's really cool. What about do you still talk to Tyler Bowers? 
Yes, I actually spoke to him last week. He's thinking about doing something again next year. He's just trying to figure it out. Is is, is his for people that don't know the story of you and Tyler Bowers? Yeah, I know you that's said this. Something that still gets spoken about. I can't believe. I want to know who told you. Hey, hey, I, you can't. You need. Can't. You need to tell the story again. You need to clear your slate. Okay. All right. Uh, that was it. Was Anaheim two maybe? It was Anaheim too. Okay, you know it better than I do, and it was me. It was about me. So, yeah, for the viewers or the listeners, it was Anaheim too. It was tw- I was with Bowers. Bowers was number nine eleven, so that was the year that he was, was about. He was fucking like he just wanted yeah. to kill everybody. Everybody. <laughs> everybody. Like going off topic real quick. It was like one of the earlier races. I know Bowers punted Osborne, and Osborne ended up off the track on opposite side of the track, the opposite way. And he got called into the office for a meeting. And I remember our truck driver is super sarcastic or whatever. And he walked through the semi and goes, hmm, looks like we're going to be having a lot of meetings this year. <laughs> so, all right, going back to the story was Barris led the race. Like Cooper was on the Amar, I think. And Coops was running him down, but not gnarly. Like I was like, shit, we're going to win. And we were right there in the championship or whatever, second or third or something like that. And I couldn't see the section that Cooper passed him, but Cooper ran him down, punted him off the track, and he rolled or he rolled around the table for the triple and doubled in or whatever. And Cooper won the race because it was a last that race. And I didn't, I couldn't see. I was there yelling on the radio and stuff. And I was like, what the F just happened? And obviously we didn't win. And I was so pissed, like so pissed. And I, because I knew if we won, we would have had the championship lead. And I went over there and I was like, not interested. And he was like, yeah, I got second. And I was like, second, what the fuck? Seconds. Like, I just lost it on him. I was like, fuck yeah. Just like, you got passed on the last lap. What the hell? And I was just, I didn't even watch the podium. I was so pissed. I just grabbed the bike and I started up and I rode it back to impound and just went back to the semi. If I didn't have to take the semi away, I probably would have just went home. <laughs> I have heard this story from so many people. Really? Yeah. Because it was right in front of everyone. Like the PR guy from Cowie and the Google guy and the gear guy and like other people on the team were there. Like, it's like, you know, you know, Tyler has his persona of you're like the bad boy, you know, don't like this. Yeah. And he's his mechanic just fucking pulling shreds. <laughs> Dude, we're like, was Mitch, did Mitch have to sit you guys down to fucking mediate or? No, no, I don't know if Mitch even knew it because normally after the race and things break off or whatever because he wouldn't come down to the podium. He'll sit up in the stands and watch the uh, 450 race. But I didn't talk to Tyler that night. And then the next morning I told my girlfriend, Kim, I was like, ah, I should probably call him and apologize. She was like, ah, yeah, that's a good idea. So I actually called him. And before I even got around to apologize, he was like, hey, you're right. And I was like, well, I'm still sorry. He was like, nope. He goes, all right. Should have won that race. Shouldn't have let him run me down and get beat. And we should have been in the championship by now. But I was like, hey, I don't have no grudges or whatever. And it was good. We just moved on from it. And we still had a championship to try and chase. But it was it was just I wanted to win so goddamn bad, like do anything. Is that sort of the only falling at you? Is it how did I, over nine years? Surely yeah, the days you want to tell these riders to go get to to go, you know, get get fucked. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and and me being a a pommy to all your listeners, sometimes I do. <laughs> I 
It's just, is that but one of the... What do you say? You might as well just stay at home, or you know what I mean? But, like, you can't be too mean to them because, like, you need them to be good. More, more of it is trying to keep them positive and keep them motivated, but sometimes they all take the piss a little bit, and you're like, Jesus. <laughs> and that's a frustrating part because at the end of the day, sometimes you just got to keep your mouth shut and just worry about your bike as long as nothing falls off and the engine don't break then you did your job yeah and what well what about from the other point of view have you ever had any riders you know uh we do you do do get a dnf and you have a mechanical is it the riders then back on you or is it ever is it like an understanding if it was my fault i would hold my hands up but touch wood um never really had anything like that happen due to me not doing something up or anything like that. But um, sometimes bikes break. Like we, we lost a motor at Hangtown and just like, what, what can I do about it? Just have to change it. Like if a part failed, then no one's really predicting this. I think it was a day. I forgot. It might've been Iron Man or something. I don't know where it was, but there was two pro circuit bikes had malfunctions Savachi was one after winning the first moto and there was somebody else in the first moto. I'm trying to remember what it was. And it's just like, uh, like that, week, that week, was it? Yeah, it was really muddy. I don't think it was clutches though. No. In like peace. I think it was PC or Cowie come out and said, Hey, yeah, we had a certain amount of part. We had these parts come through that malfunctioned or something like that. That far back. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, for me, all the years, and sometimes all the races have just rolled into one big blur, you know? But if it was Joey, it would have been four years ago. Yep, and, like, and we'll think about that. It's just like, dude, that week, that whole motorcycle, them bikes would have been completely pulled down. Every single part would have been tested. Every single, like, that would sure. turn into the, a week of hell. Yeah, but sometimes it's like a month of hell because then sometimes you're like, oh, we've changed this part, but is it any better? But... Uh, what people have to understand too is you could do 50 hours around Glen Helen on a Tuesday and a Thursday and then something could be brand new and you go to a race, it's really harder. The tracks might be deeper or, you know, like they downshift. Like Austin would downshift in the air at Colorado and go 2,000 RPM past the rev limiter because he's just being a bit of a bonehead, you know, and you're like, they don't normally do that during the week. So like, there's so many more stresses, there's so much, so many more factors that play into it on on a race weekend. What's the funniest thing you would have written on a pit board? <laughs> you probably know. I don't even remember. I shouldn't. I should have had thought about this a little more. I can't. I can't remember. Just question marks or something. No. Yeah, quick, I know I gave it to Austin at Colorado this year, like wake up or like WTF. I've done WTF a little bit. Yeah. Um, just struggling this year, Colorado and stuff, but it's frustration, frustrating to watch that go down. And you're just like, last weekend we were right there. We were like fourth from battling for a podium. And then the next weekend you're like 15th. You're like, what the hell? But I think I wrote some funny stuff in previous years, but it's hard to even remember to remember we seem to be talking about a lot of negative we need to talk about some positive <laughs> some positive what mitch does mitch like to drink that's a stupid question <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been blind with mitch Payton? 
Yeah, multiple times. Is he a character on the character on the yeah. character? Sober, and he's a character when he's had a few drinks. I used to like it back in the early days, like 2014 and 2015. His wife would throw these awesome like Christmas parties and New Year's parties and stuff. And even a lot of my friends from England that he knows would be here, and it was just these massive like New Year's Eve parties and stuff like that. And everyone blacked out drunk. It's just and like all that one year. We found out the year I worked for Dean. We found out at the Christmas party who was riding West Coast and who was riding East Coast only because we got Mitch wasted. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we would have had to wait a few more weeks. Yeah, well, you uh, wait the friggin' week before. Yeah, exactly. But I know we, he was pretty drunk, and then me and Dean came up to him and was like, "Hey, so are we racing? Are we racing next week or what?" Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> He told us then, and it was like, well, Dean was like, well, that's good. At least I knew, at least I knew well, to get ready Dean for next would, week. Dean would know if he'd be able to have a few more drinks anyway. Yeah, yeah if you were going east, you'd be like, oh, I might have a drink. But <laughs> <What? laughs> I should probably leave. It's not, it's not, not uh, midnight yet. <laughs> hey, what's up? Dean's Bucks party. What was that like? Dean's what? Dean's Bucks party. Oh, you call it Bucks Party? Stag call? Party. What, stag Party. Oh, the party, huh? But in England, it's a... Uh, in England, it's a Stag Party, but here it's a Bachelor Party. Yeah, we call it Bachelor. We call it, yeah, Bucks Party here. I mean, I can't talk about it that much, but I came home with COVID. <laughs> 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 so I went back, like, a few days off of work to having, like, two and a half weeks off of work. <laughs> Actually, I think scared. Tell Mitch the Tuesday after I got back from the bachelor party that I had COVID, then uh, I was going to leave. <laughs> oh wow! It's so well, dude. There would have been a few riders at that part at that party. Uh, a, cu- a couple, not really. Most of it was like his his close mates, really. And then everyone everyone ended up with COVID. Only a few people, but I was one of them, yeah. How'd Mitch take that? Uh, he was actually real cool. Like, he was like, I was like, well, I caught it at the party or on the flight or whatever. And I just saw I had a massive hang. Because you know if you go on a bender for like five days, you just feel like shit for like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it was like two days after we got back, and I was like, oh, I'm hurting. And like, uh, one of the boys on the trip was like, hey, uh, just so you know, I just tested positive for COVID. So, and I was like, fuck, I have it. I just knew, I just, my asshole fell out and I just knew that I, I went road. And like, that's when COVID was pretty gnarly and all that still. Well, it's still gnarly, but like everything was locked down. We, and, and it was just, I got the test. I got positive. I tested positive that night and I was like, shit. So I went to the next morning, called him and he was like, whoa, you didn't potentially try to get it. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. And, uh, no, he was real cool. I just had to hang out and he would call me every other day and check in and stuff like that. So it was good. But then I couldn't go to the engagement party, which, whatever. The following week. You had your fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it was it, it was a trip, that's for sure. It, it's funny, like, during the season, like, I don't know, media and, like, we, we dig for rumours. Like, rumours is a thing we live yeah. in. And there were, yeah. I heard that many, I don't know if you'd be able to confirm, I heard that often that there was crew members for Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki that tested COVID positive. 
Did any of that happen during the season? Uh, so many people got COVID in the, in the, in the season. Uh, I know one of our crew chiefs got COVID, but he didn't go to a couple of races because of it. But I know there was a Honda guy that caught COVID really early on and they wouldn't let him leave the hotel. And he had to go from the hotel and stay there for 10 days and then go straight to the next race. Yeah, I heard that. And I think there was a star guy as well. One of the star mechanics or something must have been under the same so, thing. I see, mate, it's so, there's so many rumors and stuff because you can hear in the shop this year, like someone's like, oh, this guy's got COVID. And then you see him at the race and then you're like, oh, yeah, COVID. He's like, nah, I don't have COVID. So it's like real. Like I say, most of the stuff you hear is true, but then there is some BS rumors out there and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, I thought Marv had COVID too at the last round yeah, of motocross. He was there, yeah. It was. I don't think he tested positive until he got there or whatever. But it's it's a strange it's a strange deal. But at least we're still racing. It could be a lot worse. Like, how's California going at the moment? Pretty normal, yeah. Real, real, yeah, I went to. It, it's like you guys are gnarly lockdown, huh? Still, or it's really strict. Uh, yeah, but we don't have any cases. Well, like, well. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I'm not gonna get it. It's it's fucking yeah, no, stupid down here. It really is. It's yeah. Like, honestly, we're the laughing stock of the world currently. But I mean, if you don't have any cases, then it's working. Like here, I mean, you got to be vaccinated or have a negative uh, test to like go to a concert. So I went to a concert, MGK concert, a couple weeks ago in LA, and you had to have a negative test or proof of vaccine but there was so many people there with like no masks on and I had a negative test and they barely looked at it but I mean they're trying to do their best I believe and I'm not one to judge on what they're doing yeah hey also are you responsible for uh, Brad West going to a Yamaha at all <laughs> um, you I wonder my nephew's going to be Brad Wesley's uh, Cowie I'm like my world is just fucking falling apart now. Brad Wesley's been on a Cowie longer than why I've been a PC <laughs> no <laughs> you got to ask his old man about that you got to ask Sean about that Sean told me and I thought he was joking what he told, me, told you it was my fault no he's like I'm going to Yamaha oh. I was like yes yeah, sure you are bro sure you are and then all of a sudden he starts riding Yamaha and I'm like, nah, I'm not going to read into it. And then Dan Colvin up from Main Event Moto, he buys Brad's race bike and I'm like, okay, something's not right here. And then you tell me you're leaving Cowie. I'm like, for fuck's sake, this place is falling apart. <laughs> it's just imploding. Uh, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should get Brad and Sean on for a podcast too because they got a cool story and I try and help them out wherever I can too. And cause I like the family and I know the struggles of being in another country by yourself too. Yeah. And, um, they, they have a really cool story and I speak to Sean probably three times a day sometimes, but, um, I mean, they, they're doing what's best for them and on their program and for them to get Yamaha's to move forward is, was the best thing for them at the time because I kind of agreed with what they were doing. So good for them. And they're just trying to make it happen. You know, it's not easy. And they got to sacrifice a lot too. You know, you've seen a lot of these young riders, you know, being a lights mechanic. What's, what's, what's Brad's, you know, path? Where, where's Brad go? What does Brad do? I told Sean, 
I call him Westy. It sounds weird calling him by his first name. Westy, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I told Westy, I think they're going to ride A next year. I said maybe don't rush because all these kids have rode these classes all the way through the classes their whole life. And then they come over and they ride a couple of years ago. They just come over for that event. And then this year they come over and they did the best they could. My honest opinion, I told him, I said, you got to race every race you can. Like they're the Cal Classic this weekend. And I, I'm like, I don't care if it's some race in another state in Arizona or something, be at that race. Because Brad just needs gate drops because he's in real good shape and he rides a lot, but it's that intensity and it's that intensity you don't get unless you race. Because you go to Loretta's, I know they're 20-minute races or whatever, but if you get a bad start, you are not coming through the field unless you're around Villapola, you know, or someone like this year was at Levi Kitchen or anyone like that, you know. So, like, like you just – I believe in what they're doing and, like, you just got to race. Like, you can't just go to Loretta's and just do one race and expect to get a factory ride or even a team ride off of one race. I'm like, you, they look at everything. They'll look at, you go to the Baja Brawl or, or whatever, or the Cal Classic, and then you go to Arizona Open, and they look at all those results. And and the guys that beat Brad, they do all those races anyway. So you just need to line up against those guys week in, week out, and just make it happen, you know? Yeah. Like the next two years, the next two years he has to race every race. Yeah. And he knows that, and I told him that, and he knows I'm right. But he couldn't do a couple of races the last few weeks because he was switching over from Cowie to Yamaha. He only had a stock bike and then he had to get race engines built and all that kind of stuff. But I need to actually call him because they raced yesterday and today, I think, in uh, that parlor. Yeah, I sent him a message this morning. I haven't got a reply back yet. Did you Did you ever go to Loretta's as a mechanic? or? Do I did. Yep, I did. So that's another thing that I'm quite fortunate to do. Like I can say that I've done it all apart from... 450s, which I'll do, but I did the year, the second year I was with Bowers, which was probably 15. He got sick. Did he get sick? Maybe Epstein Barr or he hurt his back yeah, or something like that. He did have Epstein Barr for a little yeah. bit, yeah. Uh, the year before, I think he hurt his back and he had a couple vertebrae fused. But that was when Mitch was like, hey, we need to sign this Falker kid and you're at loose end this summer, so go to the races and build his shit and just <laughs> go to the races and all these shit. <laughs> yeah pretty much it was like it was like that and then he came in and we tested he tested like that was his race bike and then he was like oh like they, he signed a contract or whatever and then i went to mammoth with him and it, it literally after that it was like team green just brought all their shit from cali to pro circuit and was like there you go he's your problem now i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> those, those amateur events like that I've heard it's just a like after the racing stops, it's a big piss up. Like it's, uh, it's on, it's a party. Yeah, because there's a lot of people stayed there. We always stay in hotels. I never stayed at the track, probably for a good reason because I'd be getting pissed up too. But um, so we did. I did a more. I did Mammoth. I did Loretta's, and Loretta's. We were in a hotel, and the first the first van from anyone that I knew was leaving Loretta's because it's like seven days of racing. I'm like, I'm out. So I just got out of there, but a lot of people were staring at pie, but the races start at seven o'clock the next morning. So you got to be there at six to unload and warm the bike up and do your checks. So I never really got loose on those events, but I did Loretta's and I did 
many hours over Thanksgiving, and that was a gnarly one too. And I wasn't going to go until like two days before, and I said to Mitch, hey, am I, am I going? He's like, we, what do you think? I'm like, well, we probably should to make sure everything's good. And then I remember going to Minio's and that one, it's dark in the mornings and it's dark at night. Like when you leave the driver's track, it's dark. When you go to the track, it's dark. When you come home from the track, it's dark. And it's just like long days and like everyone's there for Thanksgiving and all that stuff. And it was just gnarly like that. That race was gnarly. And it's funny because when I left Cowie the other day, like say goodbyes and Ryan Holiday come up to me and said, hey, you said you'd never do any race again apart. He said, you'll never do Minios again. You remember that? I was like, no, I can't remember that one. But um, that was kind of a cool story. But I did, I've done them all. So I did MX2 and MXGPs. I did MX1, MXGPs. I did 250s. I've done, I've seen the amateur scene here. So there's just one more for me to do is 450s. And then I've kind of seen it all. You know, you know talking about these parties, you know, motocross, it is a party. Do you guys, it's, is does Mitch make sure you guys don't leave your rooms during the night to make sure you don't end up at these parties or Vegas? Have you showed up to the track like blind? Yeah. I mean, I've seen some people (laughs) turn up to the track and throw up, but that's not what you want to do on a race day, but maybe like a Friday if we're just setting up or whatever. Like I've always been pretty professional and I cannot function the day after if I've had some drinks. So I'll stay the hell away from that. Yeah. If I'm going to, I'm going to get loose. It's going to be on a Saturday after the race. You know, and like we got in trouble a few times for sending it pretty hard after the race by the boss man. But <laughs> what he sees down Monday morning? No, just like he probably hears that someone gets back to him and is like, "Hey, your mechanic's got a little loose on Saturday or whatever." But um, all right, there's a couple like a couple of mechanics before I've gone pretty wrecked at Red Bud in B lot on like a Friday, and we're like. I would, I would always have the rental car. So I'm like, I'm not drinking, I'm driving. So I'm fresh for Saturday and I'm like, shit, we get back to the hotel. I'm like, we better go in the back door. So Mitch doesn't see you because he's going to be pissed. <laughs> Stuff oh, like that. Yeah, that, yeah, that story for another day when those people were present. Okay. But, um, <laughs> yeah. What about, um, you know, this is, this is seeing it, you know, Trent's to say me and Trent, whenever we think like rental cars. Yeah. Rental cars. After it's rained at like Ironman or something like that, I've heard some pretty wild stories of, you know, cars just getting completely wrecked, like in these parking lots. I mean, that's nothing. I think the worst one I had, I mean, the stories that I hear back in the day, they're, they're gnarly. Like, there's no way I could get, I could have got in trouble for Mitch after hearing the stories that he used to do. I've heard some funny. Give, give, me, give yeah. me one. Give me one. Uh, one time they had a rental car and, it was someone else's rental car from him and he, it was when they used to race two days in a row back in the two stroke days. And they literally put the hose pipe through the sunroof and closed the doors and the windows and filled the rental car with water. <laughs> <laughs> what? Someone else's rental car. And they thought it was funny. So like these days you can get away with that. Imagine taking a rental car back these days with in that situation. Like I've seen some, I've seen some funny, like, I don't know. And you know, Westy's told me some stories like when it rains at Loretta, yeah. it turns into there's a mud oh, cars and yeah. everything. I think the worst one I took back was maybe what year was it? 17, maybe 16 or 17. And Mitch was the instigator of this one. This is a good story. So they, fl- they would always fly in on a Friday and we get there on a Wednesday or whatever. And we were 
it was 4th of July, and there it's like, buy two, get three free of fireworks. And we were like, oh, we'll put in 100 bucks, and we all the mechanics. We'll put in 100 bucks, we have like 500 bucks, we'll go buy 500 bucks for fireworks. And we walked through the hotel, and then the boys got in, like the Friday crew, and Mitch was there, and Mitch was like, what are you doing? And we're like, we're going to buy fireworks. He was like, oh, I like fireworks. <laughs> And we're, I was like, yeah, it's like it's like buy one, get two free or whatever like that. And he goes, hey, here's 200 bucks. And, and then we were talking a bit more and he was like, hey, here's some more money. And he pretty much put probably 400 bucks in and plus our 500 bucks or whatever. We had like a, we went and bought like a thousand bucks worth of fireworks, right? Yeah. Imagine how much thousand bucks, it's a lot of fireworks. So he was all about it. And then we came back and then all the semis had left the car park in the hotel and stuff. We started firing all these rockets off and just like, at each other, by the way, it was pretty dumb. But and then it was like through the through the smoke was like a Honda came in, and it was like oh now it's on. So we had this firework fight on like it was like the third of July, or whatever. It was PC versus Geico Honda, and Mitch was the instigator. He's cruising around with these Roman candles, just firing them off, and everyone always got these quarters, and it was like. Yeah, it was like, I can't remember if it was our rental car or their rental car was like in the middle and the doors were open and we were firing rockets through the rental car and they were going off in the rental car and stuff like that. And I remember one time, one of those big rockets got lit off on the floor and it literally went through the spokes of Mitch's wheelchair. <laughs> like through one wheel and out the other wheel and then like straight into the rental car. And I was like, shit, if that would have caught a wheel, it would have just blown him up. There were... <laughs> like... People have fireworks in California, but pretty like the fireworks back east are pretty gnarly, bigger than anything I ever bought back in England or anything like that. That's cool that you know Mitch likes to have fun with you guys, you know. And yeah, that, that was one of the things. And I know I need to find the videos, but Zach White, our team manager, he didn't get involved, but he was filming it from the hotel, and it was insane. It went on for like an hour and a half, and we had a thousand bucks worth of fireworks, and it was just like. Just kill the guy, go on the guys. It was bizarrely. You need to find the video. I need to see this. Yeah. Oh, sure. I'll send it to you. Yeah. I'm sure Justin's got it. Or Zach. It, it was, we've never, we've had fireworks. We always buy fireworks when we get there, but we've never replicated that night. Like that night was like, it will never top that. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. I remember like on a trip we were going from like Los Angeles out to Vegas we went to the yeah. friggin sporting guns the sporting store score and bought handguns you know like you can't do that in Australia you cannot do that shit like that is and we and walked in was just like yeah we'll take two of these anyways we're driving out to Vegas shooting signs out the window of this car like <laughs> just in your like rental car I'm like let's shoot the rental car and I don't know why like pop the pop the boot of this rental car and it dude just just stupid shit like that and it's just like the biggest difference is over there you can do that shit over here you can't that's like and that's a cool thing like stories like fireworks war yeah. out there in the car park that's sick. no one banned an eyelid no one cared everyone in the hotel that worked there didn't have any problem with it and we were there for hours ripping these fireworks to each other and we were just stupid no one got hurt but like just it was like PC versus Skyco, and it was just like war. <laughs> <laughs> that's dude, that's funny. Um, yeah. Hotels? Are you a hotel? Do you do you still like hotels? Do you love coming home to your own bed or what? Uh, I like coming home, but, but I mean, we spend so much time away. We always stay in pretty decent hotels too, and we're all about pretty much every mechanic is all about the points. 
It's all about the, the, the fly miles and the hotel points. Because then, if you want to go on holiday, you got you can stay in a hotel for free because you accumulate enough points. And I got so many fly miles. I've got enough fly miles. Literally, the next time I go back to England to visit my parents, I'm going first class. I got enough. I saved enough miles. I've been stingy. I didn't want to use them, and I got enough to go there and back. Lie down bed, first class. <laughs> I was like, I always wanted to do it. Like we get upgraded here at first class and stuff. Maybe get the occasional like little cubicle thing, but nothing gnarly. Like you see those international flights when they just like, like you come in here, like lie down. I got enough points to do that. And I'm like, yeah, next time I go home, I'm going in style. How long is the flight to go home? From here, it's like 10, 10 to 12, depends on the flight path, which ain't bad. But what about you guys? Four, usually 14, usually like oh, really? I live in Queensland in Australia here yeah. and we fly out of Brisbane, which is our capital city, and we can go Brisbane to Los Angeles in 14 hours, but like the real trippy thing is to say we will leave Brisbane at 10 a.m. We will yeah. land in America at, at LAX at 6.30 a.m. the same day. So really... Yeah, before- off. Yeah. When we took off, we land. That's a weird thing. And like when we go home, like we might leave on the twenty eighth, we'll land home on the thirtieth. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it, we completely miss that day, which is which is cool. I like it. Yeah. As long as you can time it right, it doesn't jet like you too much. It's just weird to do that. Like me flying home, it's not too bad. It's only ten hours, but I'd always try and fly on a night flight, so you kind of like sleep decent, and then you wake up, and it's like the afternoon there. Have you it always? Have you ever, you know, gone through the season and gone, okay, I've been on 70 planes this year? Have you ever put it together? Oh, you can because on your app, on your flights, they'll tell you how many flights you did in a year. What's your, what's your biggest? In a year? 77 something? 70? <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> yeah. Do you, which airport do you fly out of? Uh, it used to always be Orange County, but now Ontario, LAX Port Ontario Airport, which is like just a bit south of Glen Helen. Yeah. And uh, I've been going out there a lot, which what? is good. What's John Wayne? Orange County. Is it a big airport? Uh, yeah, it is. Like most of the main, uh, man, not manufacturers, but most of the main airlines fly out of it. But now LAX Port Ontario Airport took it over, whatever they it's pretty much the same as John Wayne. And, and if you got to go to Orange County, it's just a pain in the ass because you've got toll roads and all that kind of shit. And you've got to leave super early in the morning because we fly at like 6 a.m. anyway. So it, it up at like 3. Do you fly? Do you, did you guys fly Thursday or Friday? A project? Yeah. Wednesday. Wow. And then back Sunday. Yeah. So we'd fly out. For those of you who don't really know, like we fly out to the race on Wednesday and then Thursday we unload the semi we tear our bikes down clean and rebuild um then friday drive to the the track and set up the awning and then tech inspect the bikes and then saturday we race and then normally after the race on saturday at project we take our engines and rip our brakes apart and stuff like that and fly back with some stuff and open our engines and then fly home sunday morning like gnarly early like 5 a.m or whatever like it's almost like 1 a.m california time if we're on the east coast or even midnight california time we're up heading back so it's like five days away three nights in california that's uh 
two nights actually sunday monday tuesday yeah Whoa. that's terrible dude that's, yeah. unreal. that's that's incredible the the last thing i last question i have for you you know when COVID first did its thing, the, the first round of Supercross, uh, you know, the whole track was built, ready to go. Were you racing yeah. east or west that year? I was west. Yeah. I remember what happened. So we were doing the west boys. The east boys were like Mark Banks, Jordan Smith. They were there. And the Friday crew hadn't flew yet. I call them Friday crew, but that's like not the mechanics. So it's like suspension guy and Mitch and Zach, uh, our team manager and stuff. They would always fly on Fridays and Friday and Sunday. So they would fly on Fridays. But I was at the shop because we were doing some motocross stuff because Austin was in California. And we hear these rumors. And honestly, they're probably going to be pissed when I say this, but the truck drivers have a secret truck driver union in our industry. It's the trucker talk. And normally the truckers know everything before anyone else Why? because they're, they're the first there or they're the last to leave. And they're just like, they all talk amongst themselves. And the rumor from the truckers was the race was going to be canceled. So our semi driver called up and said, Hey, we're hearing that it's going to be canceled. And we're like, why? And they were like, Oh, cause of COVID and all that stuff. And then I remember leaving work that night and just a shit for me. was like, need to put on the, the local news because the governor is going to close California down. And I'm like, oh, shit. And he was about to fly out too. And I was driving home listening to it, and he was like, see, told you California's closed down. And then literally that night, there was like the piece of group message, and it was like race is canceled. So then that Friday, Mitch and Zach, they never flew to the race, and then the boys literally flew there on a Wednesday and then flew back like Friday morning. Then how long was it till we went racing again? Long time. Literally, they, it was that night. See, I remember sat home, sat on the same chair I'm sat right now talking to you, and I called Austin and I was like, hey, you hearing this? He was like, yep. He goes, this is the case because I'm going home tomorrow. He's like, I'm going back to Oklahoma tomorrow because we'd have no time frame, right? We didn't know when we were going to race again. He was on West Coast, and we had how many races until we raced again, even without COVID, yeah. and he's like, they were talking about closing down Glen Helen and Parlour and like all these test tracks, all these public tracks. And he's like, what, where are we going to ride if all the public microcross tracks are closed down? And it was literally, that was like Thursday night. And he's like, I'm going home tomorrow. And then I called Mitch and was like, what's the plan? He's like, no, I'm good with it. So it was like, I'm not even ready for Austin to go home. So it was like, all right. So like 5am I was up, I went to the shop I built a bunch of stuff, grabbed a bunch of spare parts and like his dad came by in his van and we just literally loaded his van up and he disappeared. And I didn't see him again until Utah when we raced that Supercross again. That's what, what about like, what did you do? Uh, it got slow, but respect to Mitch and Pro Circuit, like we never got a pay cut. We worked every day still. I mean, we wore masks and did all that social distance and stuff, but it was like we inventoried, we built a bunch of engines and just like, I had some stuff to do. Like Austin was still riding like four days a week. So there was still like parts to send and engines to rebuild and stuff, but it, it got pretty slow, but we, it kind of gave us an opportunity to like go through a lot of stuff that we've been meaning to get through, Yeah, you know? And then it was kind of a relief when we went back racing again, but Remember, it was just that Utah lockdown thing for three weeks with 
nine races or seven nine races or whatever over the over the three weeks. Uh, yeah, I was always wondering, like, you know, we had the same issue down here in Australia. It's like we we've had three motocross races this year. That's what we've had. Yeah. And oh, really? That's really. And our championship got called about a week ago. About yeah. Uh, about oh, a week ago, they called the championship okay. off. We've only had three rounds, and it's like you know, these mechanics don't have jobs. These, you know, our, our whole industry doesn't yeah. have a job. And I was just yeah. like, I wonder what you guys did with that. Last thing, and you know, it's okay if you can't talk about this, or if you do talk about this, we can cut this out. Austin's parents. Um, what's your relationship with like with them? Really good. I mean. Yeah, really good. Like when they would come out, his dad would stay here, and his dad, his dad loves my dogs, so his dad would come and take my dogs and stuff, and yeah. hang out with my dogs like that. And I felt bad for even leaving the team because of the relationship that I have with Austin and and, and like his mom and dad too. Because I've been in like the circle for so many years that it was like a mini family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. And for me, like I still talk to his dad. Yeah, his dad sent me a message today. So um, he seems like a cool dude. He is down to earth. Yeah, he's really cool. And uh, and just like his mum was upset when she was at Hangtown when I was leaving, and I was getting teary too and stuff like that. So she was like, "Thank you for all the hard work and stuff." So like, we left it all on really good terms. And like I said, I'm still a fan, and I'm still going to be coming by next year. So like, that was a cool, cool way to end it. Like, shit, if he wins a race, I'm going to be going over to the PC rig and cracking a beer and drinking with Mitch BS for sure. When there is a crash, like with Austin down and stuff like that, what happens on the radio? Is it just dead quiet? Is it pretty much? Is it, can you yeah. talk like, how is it? No, normally like, how is he or whatever? And like, if it's motocross though, sometimes I can't see the whole track and I don't know what, where he is or anything like that. So it's like, you need the spotters and you need the radio to be like, where is he? Where, like, where do I go now? Cause like, I got to go to this tunnel and I'm going to walk around this grandstand and then wh- what hill? I don't know. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like for Supercross, you can see. So it's kind of just like people talking or even if I can't, I'm not allowed to go out there if it's a Supercross track, but um, if the Asterix medical people were there or the Alpenstar medical people were there and, maybe someone in the stadium like Nick is by a medical guy and we can relay information to me just so I know what's going on there. And it's just not much chatter, but more to the point. Talk. Yeah. So really it's like your, your issue then is just getting that motorcycle, getting it back to the truck. And, well, and Austin, like if Austin just crashed and he's okay in the fight, then yeah, I just need to get that thing out of there and get it fixed. But if he's hurt, then he's, more the priority than the bike at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, dude, that's, that's crazy. It's yeah, quite a lot. I mean, it's harder for him because he's riding, but you, you don't want to see anyone get hurt. No. And, and especially your guy or anyone else's guy, it's just not, it's not one doing it. It's, unfortunately, it's part of it, the job, but it still sucks. Going back to, you know, Vegas with Savachi. What happened? What was Justin? Should Justin have written on his pit board that that Osborne was coming? 
Like, what was it? I don't know 1,000% what Justin wrote. It was, that race was gnarly because also went down in the first turn with Zach. Yeah. There was other guys involved. It wasn't a, a takeout deliberate movie. It was a first turn incident and then, didn't Jordan Smith crash out of the race? Jordan Smith had that huge one coming back towards the alley hey. on the sand, yeah. cartwheels, right. yeah. and then and that, that was early. Yeah, even Joey crashed third lap. You know, tucked the tucked the the single coming uh, into that first rhythm section. Dude, it yeah. was, and it was just it was just more. That race was make sure Joey does it. We don't no, we don't care about everyone else. But there wasn't much talk on the radio about. AC or Austin. I think maybe we had three guys in that race. Maybe. I'm pretty sure Hill was there as well. Oh, and yeah, Austin was already champ. And yeah, he, That's right. whatever. Yeah, he had the number one plate maybe already for the West Coast. And it was just like, let's just make sure Joey gets it done. And the, all the talk on the radio was about that. And I remember maybe it was one lap to go or two lap, two laps to go. Cause I was at the back coming through to like 10th. It wasn't even that great of a comeback right for Austin. But so I was like three quarters of a check, half the track behind the championship race. Yep. I remember Austin and Austin's going around. I was looking and I remember Joey coming by and I remember Osborne coming in from monster alley. And I was like, Holy shit. Like I remember, that's what I remember most from that day. The speed he was coming in, which he had a radar gun and took his mask out because he's probably <laughs> like literally sending it. And I was like, there's no way he can possibly do this. There was so much track. So he came down the alley, turned left, did a 90 left, uh, 180 left, over a jump, a right. Just like he was so far behind. And then literally the next lap, it was just right in front of us. Like, gnarly. Even now, like, it doesn't really get spoken about. So even now, if it got spoke about, like, Gas Gas, because I'm a Gas Gas with a suspension guy from Pro Circuit at the time, and he's like, don't talk to me about that. Like, you know, and it's like you see the pit board, you know, the pit board, it got smashed. Yeah, that's not the that's the smashed pit board. Yeah, it's just... I've seen him break one over his head before. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how was Justin after that night? Probably suicidal. He was suicidal with mum was there and he was upset, obviously. Jeez. I feel bad for Joey too because, like, Joey's still a friend, you know, and just, like, it's such a – we all love this sport, but there's only one winner. No matter what happens, you can only – there's only going to be one person that wins. Yeah. It's just how you come back from that. You know, and that's, you know, I, dude, I get so much shit for being a a Savachi guy. Like, dude, Savachi is my guy. And the way he rebounded and got in Hangtown at the press conference and spoke about it, I was like, yeah. I remember. I'm a fan. Like, I was like, fuck, way to bounce back. One more in Hangtown. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I fucking. Like, some people could have just let themselves implode. Same, you know, and same just, as AC, dude. Look at AC. Just got himself, pulled himself up, and and kept going. Yeah, yeah. He had a yeah. He had his best summer off of his off of that catastrophe in Vegas too. So like, 
that's why they do what they do. Like to be able to bounce back like that is something pretty respectful. What about, you know? What about you? You sma- have you smashed some pit boards? Yeah, when Bowers won. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like to keep mine. I keep them all. And uh, cool. I like that. Like, I've never smashed one in anger. I'll punch something before I smash my pit boy. But when Bowers won my rookie year in Vegas when he was a filling guy, I just fucking threw it over my head and threw it in the air. And then it landed on the smash, but I still got it. That's sick. But Never smashed one in anger yet. <laughs> so, yeah. Have you got, like, you know, I, I see with Justin, I'd like to talk about this as well. Is he kept a lot of Savachi's winning plates? Did you? Yeah. Did you do that with Austin? Yeah. Uh, I got uh, quite a collection of memorabilia from my time at Pro Circuit. I got some cool stuff. Every friend on the plate. Not every front number plate, but like every rider front number plate, motocross and supercross. So a Luxor one and a Monster Supercross one. And then I got, if we did a one off memorabilia like San Diego bikes, I got one. And I just keep everything. I kept every red, red front number plate that we raced with when we were leading the championship that one year. And I have them all laid out. I've got a bunch of helmets. I kept every pit board. Have you got, a, have you got like on a wall? Yeah, in my garage. My garage is pretty sick. Um, I'd love to take some take some video of it and yeah. send it to us, guys. I'd dude, I'd love to see that. That'd be really really cool. Yeah. I'll, uh, well, I just we'll just FaceTime or something, and then yeah. I can show you after this. And then uh, got like cool stuff. Like Austin gave me a bear from Mammoth when he won an amateur event, so I got a bear and I got every champagne bottle there engraved, and I've got some cool stuff. You know, I keep every credential on its lanyard from every race and from every season and all that kind of stuff. Like so much stuff. Like I got so much stuff in my attic. Like I might keep 10 sets of gear from the year. Cause I'm like, Oh, I like that. Well, that butt patch is cool. You know, we're just like, that's sick. I, it's bad. Like I've got quite a collection of helmets because Austin's quite known for getting a new helmet and then crashing. <laughs> and then <laughs> it's useless. So. I got quite a cool collection of unusable helmets, though, that are quite cool. But they've got a story behind them, which is cool. Yeah. One, one's not got a visor, and one's a visor's half gone, and then <laughs> one's got a scratch down the side, a chunk taken out of it, and stuff like that. Like, even even this year, even going into last year, as typical Austin style, I just, I just like, don't give him any more new helmets, because if he wears a new helmet, he wrecks it. Who did the photo shoot last year, and there was like one, this new Bell 10 helmet. It was like, wasn't going to be released until later in the year. And we only had one for racing at Anaheim. And we wore it in the photo shoot. And Austin crashed in the photo shoot. It took a big chunk. <laughs> really? That was your A1 helmet. And I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, would just be like, what the they fuck? And then, and then they sent him a new one to replace it. But they made it on the wrong size. And it was just like, I'm just like, don't give him no new helmets. And then it's funny. That's dude. That's what about, you know, your last day at Cowie, you know, move like clean the toolbox out. Did you go to the merch room and just fucking stack up like Alex Ray or no, no, because I can't ever wear it because it's all monster. And I have so much merch um, accumulated over the years that my brother's going to be dialed for the next five years. 
best mate back home is going to be dialed with all my old merch. Have you? Did you keep your pitch shirts? Oh, of course, one from every year. Yeah, one day, like when I can afford it, or whatever. I've I've kept all my pitch shirts from each year because we used to probably have these sick embroidered ones. Yeah. Yeah, those are bad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I've got those, and I've got some jerseys. I've got, like, the gear that Austin won at first motor in. I've got a set of donations. Like, everything that's memorable, like, jersey from jersey and pants from every guy, even back in the Thor days. I've got Dino's donations gear, which is sick. And then I've got um, Bowers with, like, the Hulk on his butt patch and just, like, cool stuff. I kept, because they get so much stuff, you know, and then, like, with Austin, um, first win gear, and even with Dean, first win I got with him and stuff, and then just cool stuff like red butt gear or just like MXGP gear, which was maybe donations gear. I got that, and just just so much sick stuff. Like, and even like I keep handlebar pads. We got like four hundred dollar handlebar pads. I keep them more chrome handlebar pads. I just keep everything. Podium hats, like when I started, you used to get Dunlop podium hats. So I got a good podium hats, and then they only did them for the winter. But then still, I just I keep them. That's dude. That's yeah. That's cool. You know, it's just like me with yeah, a mechanic anyway. background as well. With like, my, yeah. dude, my dream was to be a mechanic pro circuit. That's what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until I started being a mechanic down here, I was like, dude, this isn't for me. I don't enjoy this. Is I, I'm going to stick to being a fan. And then obviously, I start to do this. You need to sign a picture that you don't want anymore and send it down here so we can have oh, it no in problem. studio. No problem. No problem. Yeah, that's fine. I got you. That's cool. That's uh, yes. What about um, like first day at Red Bull, gas gas? Did they just like stock you up with all this Red Bull stuff? Pretty much. It was like TK was just throwing me all this shit. It was just like, try this on, try this, take this, take this. And then the guy that's in charge of Troy Lee clothing now used to be our gear guy at Fox. And he's like, oh, sick, you're coming over. Don't worry, I'll get a care package on the way and stuff like that. That's so <laughs> cool, man. I can put by the average of the season and I'll have overstock of Troy Lee probably at my house. <laughs> they make some cool stuff though. Yeah, it's pretty sound, yeah. My problem is I'm like not a hoarder, but I might get four new t-shirts and I'll just wear two for the next three months and then I'll just put those two away. And then I was clearing out my my closet the other day and my girlfriend was like, look at all this crap that you've got. I've got new Thor t-shirts from like 2014 and I'm like, well, so my new resolution is to wear everything that I get from Troy Lee. That's cool. <laughs> that'd be some, dude, there'd be some cool Thor shit there from back 2014. Yeah, I got some cool stuff. And even like, I never wore champ t-shirts, like Hills Championship t-shirt or AC's Championship t-shirt. I mean, we wore them at the event after they won the championships, but I never really wore them casual. Like I, I saved all those, but they're cool things to keep to look back on. Upstairs, you know, I, I've been lucky enough to go to the attic at pro circuit up there. Is there like boxes of championship shirts that never happened? You know what I mean? Like no. AC, like Savachi. We never seen them. Maybe there is, there was in the day or whatever, but I know those days I think we're a Fox so Fox would have bought all that stuff and if it didn't happen I think they just destroyed it I had a Savachi one jersey I still got you it. did yeah really? he fucking still won man he still won you're he's a champion your heart he's champion of my heart he just and it, I know I know I know yeah that Carl Bentley he used to work for Porcel and 
Porcel was going to win the championship at Parlor that day. Yes, yep, I remember. Gave his shoulder out, whatever, and Kyle was like, I got the number one jersey, and I took it home. <laughs> That's cool. I, lo- I love that like, attitude. It's, yeah, it's funny, yeah. with, with Joey, like, I've reached out. I've got people in America, like media people in America that have reached out just because I want the chance to talk to him, not as a media. Like I've met Joey before and, you know, he's been really cool. I got a photo with me and stuff. Like I would love the time to sit down with him and talk to him, you know, not as a media guy, not as anything, but just a dude that was the biggest fan that now does this as a job. I would like to relate to him on that level, but. Everyone uh, reached out and it can't happen. It can happen? Can't. He just doesn't reply to anybody that I know. I'm sure it will happen. I hope so. Like you, I think it's easier to do it when you're here too. That's sort of the aim. It's like, bro, it's just like, he'd probably remember me. He'd like, dude, I remember like, I'm fucking. Maybe, compl- like, uh, maybe he has like, what's one of those things where you're not allowed to be with, like within half a mile of him or something like that. <laughs> Restraining order. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's funny. I like, I'm going to blow myself out so bad now and this is going to fucking haunt me. I know it. It's just like, like when that, the one reply I got from Joey, like as a fan, you know, before I did any of this, like he's, he sent me, he sent me number plates and stuff now and stuff like that. But, on the the night of the incident at Vegas, I sent him a message and I was just like, dude, you got to struggle to know what it's like to succeed. He go, and I was just like, at the moment, you fucking probably feel like the lowest person in the world. But I was like, dude, it's coming. It's coming. And he liked that message like within like 30 seconds of me sending it, which I thought was really, really weird. But that, that's cool. That to me, dude, that was one of the coolest things. And like, you know, I've got his red plates now. I've, I've been able to talk to him on press conferences and stuff. And we've had some really cool things, but I just like that, that time, you know, like half hour just to, just to talk about it and, 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 you know, relate it, relate it you know, from being a fan to being able to do this now. But like you said, when I get over there, it's uh, got to make it a bit easier for sure. Definitely. If you're over here when like West coast races are on and stuff, cause everyone's going to be here still. So, it, it, it's really easy to touch base with a lot of people. So I can sort of, yeah, by the sounds of it, we're going to fly January 4th. We're going to fly yeah. over there for a couple of weeks. So, so yeah. break, breaking the news on the podcast right now. That's sort of what we're looking at doing. That's sweet. Yeah. You're going to hit some tracks and meet some people and get a lot of material or stuff. I would say. Yeah. It's Even, like, do it like, yeah. It's like, you know, me and Trent talk about that all the time and it's just like, yeah, we'll get material, but it's like at the end of the day, I'm just living my dream talking to these guys. You know what I mean? Like it's as simple yeah. as that. Like it's And that's like this sport is a lot of it like that. Like I just like working on these race bikes, you know, and it's, that's my dream and it's what I always wanted to do. And then you're doing what you wanted to do too. So like there's so much passion in this whole industry and it, it's kind of cool. It's just not, you're not doing it just to crunch hours and get a paycheck. It's not a job. It's not a job. Do, yeah. Do something else if that's all you're in for, you know? Yeah. That's it. And I like, dude, I remember clear as day, like sitting at pro circuit and I would just stare at the race bikes, like the attention yeah. to detail on these yeah. bikes is yeah. just, Dude, I'd sit there for hours, like no, no ifs, no buts. Like, I know, I think I got, 
when I walk through the like race shop where you guys are, I couldn't have my phone or anything on me. That was, I think that's pretty normal for, for people that come in there and do yeah. like, I remember for like weeks after that, I could just remember that shit. Like, and I was just like, dude, America is like, I'd come back to Australia and be like, dude, America, like it's this, we don't have a sport here. It's not like, yeah. it's like, dude, incredible over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was I was the same when I was younger too. Like, I went on press circuit when I was a kid and I was like, one day I'll be back. That's cool. So you actually went over to America as, you know, just for a holiday? Yeah, as when I was, when I was, I wasn't a kid. I was like late teens or whatever and went to watch the national and went around press circuit and chaparral and did all that stuff. I was still riding and that was when the, the exchange rate was good, so you could buy so much. Yeah. My dad went. My dad went actually during that time, and yeah. he was telling me, "Is like when I go to what is it? it's like seventy nine cents or something for us at the moment. It's fucked. Like yeah. But and then you go into Chaparral and you're like, goodbye credit card. Like this isn't going to be good. <laughs> yeah, I need to buy. How many more bags can I take on the airplane without? I'd, well, what, <laughs> you love this. I'd always go to. Um, pro circuit and i'd always walk out of there with you know the monster pro circuit ogo bags dude yeah, I've, got four, I've got four of them sitting on the other side of the bench <laughs> just because i'd go over there and like i'd get the jackets i'd get yeah the clearance sale that would be like all the because i'd go probably like october november and they match yeah. up some of the race wear from that year that yeah. discounted. yeah dude i just walk fucking i'd go to an airport and they'd be like did this dude just rob pro circuit like that's what <laughs> they would be thinking <laughs> that's funny yeah I did that years and years ago too so it's cool to do full circle because yeah even when like I got the, the job over here I was working here my parents came to visit and I was like I don't think they realized how big of a deal it is until they came here and then and I was like yeah I came here when I came here on holiday and my mom was like I didn't know you came here on holiday and I was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> like Oh, okay. It makes sense now. Yeah. Like, like, but that going there for the first time, man, and seeing that would have just fueled it for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always, always said the same story. Like you'd get racer X in England. That's what I was look at when I was a kid. And like Ricky's on a Presley Kawasaki and just killing it. So, and then going in there and seeing his bike, like, yeah, still there. Yeah. They're front. Yeah. That, how has that place like not been broken into? I don't know. I don't think you dare break into it, right? You, what can you do with them bikes? It's pretty secure. It is, but it's just like, I don't know. the what, Dude, the way I think about it is like, I would have them bikes like chained up, bolted to the floor. They are. Yeah. They are. Yeah. So there was never, well, you're, in the nine years you're at Pro Circuit, they never got broken into. No. No. Dude, like, yeah. our, like my, my family run a dealership here in, in uh, the town that I live in, dude, we'll get broken into five times a year. Really? I know in England, pretty bad. My buddy has a Kawasaki shop and they always try it on there too. There was a, uh, a Kawasaki shop, probably like 20 minutes away from the studio. And this dude, he went into like the railway and stole this big wheel loader, drove the wheel loader, wheel loader through town, smashed it into the Kawasaki shop loaded three 250Fs in the bucket and just like took up up the street this thing like dude I'll send you the video and you'll be like what the hell wow. happened 
you can't really make a quick getaway. No, you're not with... getting him, but it's just like you've got to give points for for uh for trying, I guess. Wow, yeah, a for effort, that's for sure. But yeah, kind of not really thought through. No, definitely not. But uh, Ollie, we've taken up so much of your time. What is it? It's an hour and forty four minutes, which I'll have to go through and cut because me and you love to ramble. But uh, I know. If you get here, we'll have some beers and we'll be up all night just talking shit. Dude, I can't wait. It's going to be so fun for sure. But uh, thank you so much for your time, dude. I really, really appreciate it. No problem. And good luck. Anytime. Good luck. at. Uh, well, we hope to talk to you by then. But uh, good luck at A1. If uh, you thank don't you. get the win at A1, what, what's, what are we doing? I might smash my pit board. You never know. <laughs> well, well <that's laughs> we can talk about. I can get the official first smash my- pit board of Ollie Stone. Might be the first time. If we don't win, I'll smash my pit board. Okay, we'll stand that for sure. But, uh, yeah, awesome. Thanks, Ollie. No worries. Cheers, mate.